What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. Specters, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom. I'm here with Sam as usual, and we're doing this a little bit earlier this week. We're kind of mixing some stuff up, and we've got a different kind of episode. We're not following a character through different parts of their story. Today, we're talking about some very specific things that it seems like we probably should have discussed at this point, but we just haven't yet. Sam, what are we talking about today? Yes, we're talking about a metallic character, a, a certain um, armored character who is just with us through thick and thin in Mass Effect 1. Um, sadly, not visible or anywhere on our ship in Mass Effect 2 and 3. That is the Mako. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I bet a lot of people don't know what came before the Mako. So we're going to talk about the vehicle that the Alliance used before the Mako as well awesome that's called the m29 grizzly yeah so we're talking we're talking vehicles today and uh i mean i remember i remember when mass effect one came out one of the most controversial things was oh my god driving that stupid car thing around is so janky do you remember this remember people being kind of like like i love this game i really like the characters i really like the rpg stuff space stuff is awesome why the heck do i have to drive this car around and oh my god how do i keep getting it stuck on rocks or whatever there is a team of mako haters and i don't talk to those people (laughs) just kidding i i love the mako i love the mako i always have i'm unapologetic about it uh it was a little funky you know to operate in the first game you know especially with such 
a huge amount of jagged mountain edges that you kind of had to Skyrim mountain goat up before Skyrim came out. <laughs> Skyrim horse um, up the sides of things. Ex- ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, it, it was, it's, it's beloved by the community. I think more than its successor, the hammerhead, which we're not going to talk about today. Um, but it was, it was good. And it was primarily used at least in the game for exploring these uncharted worlds because we weren't allowed to drive around like settled areas right, really right i mean we could with novaria uh and some parts of pharos um and vermeyer as well but but it was like primarily used for exploring uncharted worlds similar to what a lot of fans want in starfield which is ironic because i'm, I'm hearing <laughs> that complaint of oh there needs to be a land rover in starfield well mass effect one had one and it wasn't loved by everyone but but why don't we talk about the appearance of it right it kind of looks like if you were to take a sports car and elongate it like just pull it at both ends Mm -hmm. and then just stretch it out so that it's got like eight wheels it's got eight wheels right or is it six six i can't remember so there's six wheels one in the front and then two further to the back yes but but there's a gap where it looks like there should be another front half wheel right but it's six yeah and it's armored that that much is clear but it also has a massive gun on the top <laughs> it's kind of like a really sleek looking tank yes without yes. treads it, but just like but multiple big wheels and it kind of looks like its namesake right the mako kind of looks sharky yeah so here i wanted to do this because i looked up mako and I thought this would be, in fact, initially the goof was be was going to be here. I've got some details from the wiki and I was going to pull up the Mako fish like shark wiki and then read that instead. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to. That's a dumb joke. But uh, it's this not is a, shark week. But this is actually interesting. I'm like, OK, Mako, everybody, a Mako shark. A lot of people recognize that that's the inspiration for the name, which makes sense. You know, and we get the same kind of thing with like. I don't know, the names of certain types of vehicles or stuff in in our world where they're named after cool animals or something like that. Right. Um, But this is interesting. Make the word Mako comes from the Maori language. I don't know if most people know this, either meaning the shark or a shark tooth. And there are all these derivations depending on which Polynesian language you came from. Uh, Mako from Kai Tahu, uh, which is a Maori dialect. Mango in other Maori dialects. Mago in Samoan. Mao in Tahitian. Mano in Hawaiian. So this name is like has all these derivations through all these different cultures, which, you know, I just I love digging into real world stuff. But um, none of them refer to a tank. And none of them refer to a tank. In fact, it's a small finned shark. But the sleekness of the the design looks kind of like it's kind of elongated. It's kind of sleek, kind of the way a shark body looks. So the name, yeah. the name kind of tracks for that. Especially at the nose of the vehicle, which comes to kind of a point. Um, and like I mentioned, it has a huge gun on the top. It's a it's a 155 millimeter mass accelerator cannon. And if you remember from our previous discussions about guns, a lot of those guns, the way that they project these uh, uh, you know, projectiles is by altering the mass of the slug and then propelling it at extremely high speeds. And that is what this mass accelerator cannon does. It's 155 millimeters. So this thing packs quite a wallop, which if you've used it in Mass Effect 1, you probably know. Uh, But there's also a lot of people in Mass Effect uh, community who never knew 
that the Mako has a cannon. They knew it has a machine gun because that's the right trigger button on, on controller. Mm -hmm. But the right bumper button it's on controller cannon. is what the cannon does. Right. So it has this coaxial mounted machine gun. We don't know too much about that. It's probably just a typical machine gun. But the, the mass accelerator cannon, if you haven't used it, it destroys enemies. And it is meant as an as what we call in, in our real world, an infantry fighting vehicle, an IFV or, uh, you know, what, what are the other names for those MTB? There's a n number of different acronyms that the real world militaries use. But in Mass Effect, they also use the phrase infantry fighting vehicle. So meant to deploy alongside troops on the ground. So I would assume um, that the projectile, the cannon fires it would be a high explosive type of round. We're not looking to armor pierce other vehicles. We're looking to take on infantry, which means creating explosions that can hit uh, people on the ground, creating, yeah, I don't know, uh, dangerous situations rather than trying to hit a very specific point, rather making a big explosion, which hits multiple people or blows something up. Yeah, you know, I, I think that just given the use of it in Mass Effect 1, it does kind of feel like it's a high explosive round, but I'm willing to bet that it's not too far off the lore that if you wanted to, you could probably customize the rounds for whatever you needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and because the basic technology is already there about you know, altering the mass and propelling it at very high speeds. Um, however, it's also it's it's chassis is very unique in that it has been completely uh, what is that word hermetically sealed? It's like completely sealed to the environments so that you can use it really on any planet because it was designed to be used in a variety of planetary scenarios. Uh, and it's it's powered not by any kind of, um, you know, rare fuel it's hydrogen oxygen fuel cell that's what it's powered by so mm -hmm. it can really operate most places and that's kind of the the design of it not just to fight other things but to be a support unit for infantry units so that they can get to and from a and b yeah so this is like i mean I, the inspiration here the big wheels being able to be like being sealed being able to take over wherever you want on whatever environment is this i mean it reminds me of like a moon rover on steroids right like yes you don't need to wear your spacesuit because now you're in a hermetically sealed thing so that's different but the big wheels able to handle different amounts of gravity and also having gigantic weapons on it that uh you know can be used for whatever situation <laughs> they need it for this is a rugged vehicle and the wheels reflect that i i don't know how wide the wheels are um but this is definitely meant for you know all terrain uh i can just hear sam elliott narrating the commercial for the mako can't you like rugged determined <laughs> you want to drive a mako because you care where you're going <laughs> eat up your enemies like a shark drive a mako <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so that that's kind of the appearance of the mako but i do want to talk a little bit more about the technology right because the technology behind it is pretty cool and i think a lot of players probably didn't know that it's more than just the tank you get to use yeah so okay so how does the tech tech work like what is that so we know this. So here, here's a little bit from an old Bioware forum post that I found that's official. It, it is canon. And it says it has an ESO core. 
that can be used to reduce mass, allowing it to be safely airdropped. You know, when you're landing on all those uh, oh, worlds, OK, and you're probably wondering how are the hell are they dropping this thing basically from orbit? Right. Um, yeah. OK. That totally makes sense, because I, I always thought that was a little bit like cartoony, like oh, this thing. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Why are these guys not just painting the ground red as soon as they land? Right. I don't know. Right. I, those wheels are well, not that that springy. Come on. Like yeah. <laughs> talk about shock absorption. Yeah. No, this is why, because it's used to reduce math. Math. <laughs> <laughs> I love when I can reduce math. <laughs> I love I reduce math every day. I just don't do it. Um, uh, no, but it's used to reduce mass, this ESO core. And it allows ships like the Normandy, which, by the way, this isn't only used on the Normandy. It, it allows ships like the Normandy to basically rapidly deploy their shore parties. And it also limits the ship's exposure to defensive anti-aircraft artillery. Uh, so that's pretty cool. That makes complete sense, because if you're trying to drop someone in a pretty hot zone, then you can't be exposed to the AA guns for too long. Yeah. So. It's such a weird thing. It's so hard to imagine how this actually works in, you know, like it's reducing the mass, which means that the gravity is going to pull on it less. Does it just fall really slowly then? Like, like it, like technically from a real world perspective, it wouldn't fall at the same rate and just have less of an impact. It would fall. It would accelerate slower until it hits full acceleration, but then still impact to the ground at full acceleration. So, yeah. Does that actually work? I, we need to get well, a physicist also, on the show. That's it, it also has thrusters, the force of which we don't know how heavy those thrusters are pushing. Right. Yeah. So. OK. OK. Yeah. There are some other elements there. It's just it's hard to imagine that happening in the real world. But I guess once you have the technology, you, you dial it in and it just works or whatever. Here's the weird part that we know about the thrusters. You know, when you're in Mass Effect 1, you're in an uncharted world and you've explored everything you want to explore. You're like, all right, time to go back to the Normandy. Well, the way you do that is you go to the map and then you hit like the X button and it takes you back to Normandy. But there's no animation for that. Mm -hmm. So you never get to see how exactly that happens. Well, the lore says the thrusters that the uh, Mako has, those little jump jets, that's what propels it high enough to be picked up by the Normandy. So it must reduce its mass again, and then those thrusters can just like shoot it up in the air. Unless I'm mis misinterpreting some bits in the lore here. Yes, that is the implication. So, you know, it'd be really cool is if you could do that at a whim while exploring the planet. So you're like, oh, crap, there's a big old canyon over there. All right, reduce the mass and just like boost over the canyon. Yeah, that would be super cool. But the uh, result that we end up getting is just like a wimpy little yeah yeah just like, a little, <laughs> like a little jump <laughs> okay there we go yeah basically I think that the thrusters were added from a gameplay perspective to make sure you never got stuck oh yeah <laughs> that was oh, yeah. that was basically it yeah 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 absolutely yeah. yes so and that's not the only cool part of the technology to me the Mako's hull is covered with laser detection arrays. This is according to the same official Bioware post. Mm -hmm. uh, and these laser detection arrays forewarn the crew of enemy laser guided ordnance. So if there's laser guided missiles that are coming in toward the Mako, you would have little alerts pop up like, you know, missile lock on detected. Is there, so that, first of all, awesome. Secondly, are there countermeasures? Because what's the use of a warning 
if you just driving still get away. blown up anyway. <laughs> like, you just <laughs> drive away faster? I guess. Maybe the thrusters are supposed to like put you so fast, like out of harm's way that the missile can't track it. Right. I don't know. All right. I know is that the rockets that are fired at you in Mass Effect 1 are very easily dodgeable. Yeah, but you would have, like, again, go into like real world situations, like you were thinking like jet fighters or something, right? And you've got, you've got a missile tracking the jet and it's going to hit the jet. There's really nothing you can do as a pilot to maneuver better than that missile. Right. And that's why they have countermeasures. They drop chaff or flares. You know, they drop something in the air that hits the missile before it hits the jet. So it ignites in the air or a flare goes off. And now the missile is confused and follows the flare instead of the the jet itself. But we don't really have that with the Mako. So certainly not yeah. in gameplay but right. again this is one of those scenarios where i feel like it wouldn't be too far of a jump in the lore to say that oh infantry units are are deployed with specialized you know countermeasures uh, yeah yeah i would imagine you would need something scenario. like that so like boop, 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 incoming missile and then somebody's able to respond because obviously the big cannon's not shooting it out of the air right like that's that's not what's happening <laughs> No, but can you imagine the physics interaction of like the Mako in zero gravity and then it fires the cannon and then it does a backflip and it just circles over and over and over again because that's the a, the force. Oh my God, that's a good question. So if you reduce the mass and it fires the can, can you still fire the cannon? Because it would it would push the thing around because there'd be less mass, right? Right. Like uh, right. like tanks in our own world, in order to have larger and larger cannons, have to have more mass in the tank so that it doesn't flip the tank over or push it way backwards <laughs> when it fires. Right. This is there was this, there was a balance between this through the, the development of like World War One to World War Two to modern tanks. Yes. Wow. This doesn't even consider the fact that in reality, a lot of these uncharted worlds are going to have differing levels of gravity. Right. Right. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't a gameplay mechanic in Mass Effect One. Right. So right. If you're on the moon about that. and it's like a third the gravity or whatever, then like, yeah, you shoot a big old cannon. But then again, the 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 projectile mass is reduced as well, which means it probably doesn't need as True. much force to get out of the cannon, which means that the, the the vehicle itself doesn't have to be as heavy in order to maintain it, keep itself from being blown around or flipped over or whatever. I mean, um, we're trying to poke holes in the lore here, and somehow <laughs> the the lore writers have just thought of all of these arguments ahead of time. They're playing 9D chess. Right. Well, it's, part of why we can do this is that the this component of the game was so limited. It was it was kind of just this added on little thing that allowed you to get it around in an environment, and give you a few extra little things to do, or you have to fight some enemies or whatever. Right. It's not the bulk of the game, and the game is not built around simulating like tank warfare in space. Right. Like that's. <laughs> not what the game was designed to do but it has lore attached to it and so we have to kind of extrapolate like if we were given a more realistic view of this what would it be like and i mean it seems like it seems like it kind of tracks for the most part right yeah kind of i mean i i think that you can make defenses about it like you just did with the altering the mass of the projectile what if they just altered it down to the mass of like a paperclip, you know what I mean? And then you could probably, maybe the operator has control over that. It just becomes like a blow dart. It's just like a, (laughs) (laughs) but it's propelled at very high speeds. Right. right. (laughs) So, you know, who who knows? Um, I also want to focus on the fact that this has technology. This, this Mako has technology that we currently have in our arsenal in the United States military right now. It has ground penetrating radar. 
Mm. Uh, that allows for detection of anti-vehicle mines and other anomalies below the, the, the surface of whatever planet you're on. Um, so that's pretty cool. That is something that real world uh, military vehicles have, not just military vehicles. There's a ton of civilian applications too. ground penetrating radar is in a lot of urban search and rescue uh, equipment now, because if you're going to an area where there's, say, been an earthquake and a lot of rubble has dropped on top and they're trying to find survivors uh, or even just the remains of people uh, who have been trapped in there, then they will use ground penetrating radar to go through that rubble, that cement and try and detect heartbeats and things wow. like that so, they, wow. so that they know where to pinpoint the search uh, and that can help them find people. So it's cool that the, the Mako uses some technology that might sound futuristic when you're reading it, but it's actually in use today. Yeah, no, that's cool. And it makes sense that that would be extrapolated out because it reduces the effectiveness of mines or uh, other kinds of things enemies could put in front of a vehicle that has to ride on the ground. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a and cool addition. Another note, the Mako looks pretty cramped, right? It, it's it's very condensed, um, mm -hmm. but it can actually hold eight people. Believe it or wow. not, you can fit eight people in there. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it again. Like I'm remembering seeing like your your body next to it and it does feel like you're cramped. Like I, I don't know that eight people could stand up in it, but no, you can definitely like sit down and maybe face each other across the body of it. Have very intimate conversations, I guess. <laughs> right. Uh, Everybody cuddle up. We're going on a mission. It's funny because like some of the characters, I, I don't know if it's a fever dream or what. I could have sworn some of the characters remark. Uh, how cramped it is in there. And yet Shepard is only going on deployments with crews of three. Totally. Right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So it can fit eight. It, apparently it can fit two in the front and six people in the passenger hold, uh, possibly with room for two more. <laughs> Weird. All right. All right. We got probably it. We're not. full. Somebody to lay down across our laps. Okay, good. We made it. Probably doesn't apply if you have a Krogan in your squad. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I guess that's true. Like, I, I, I would assume that this is like human shaped people, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Eight humanoids um, sized, eight human sized beings, <laughs> I guess. Definitely not Krogan. Maybe, maybe not eight Turians. I doubt it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Eight, so eight humans for Krogan. Yes. So it can, you can put you can cram eight people into this very agile tank whose mass can be reduced on a whim so that it can be dropped from orbit. And once it's down on the surface, it can it can survive extreme heat and cold. We know this because there's different planetary hazards in Mass Effect one, but they always become irrelevant the second that you go back in the Mako. Right. So, you know, it can it can survive any kind of uh, airborne agent, I guess, too, um, which is very cool. But I also wonder with the constant change in mass of the entire thing. I wonder if that feels weird for the people inside. Well, that's the I guess that's the other question is, does it change also the mass of the individuals in it? And like, I is would guess so. That a thing. Can you change the mass of a human without having any dire consequences? I would imagine that your biology doesn't work exactly the same way if your mass is different, right? Like <laughs> maybe you'd feel very light. I, I could swear that one of the characters in Mass Effect, I can't remember who, um, 
talks about the feeling of when like the stomach drop feeling of when certain technology on the Normandy kicks in. Yeah. And maybe that's what they're referencing. Well, I can't remember the exact line right now, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense because they reduce the mass of the spaceships in order to travel, right? Like individual people's mass has to be altered in that situation. So why not alter it in this situation? But I'd never, I'd never really considered that before. Like if your mass is less, if all of the mass of all of the cells in your body is less, but your body is the same size and it's still functioning the same way, then does your blood pressure increase because your heart is still pumping blood at the same rate, but now the blood is weighs less. So does and it just for, clarity for our listeners we're not discussing the differences in what different levels of gravity would feel like that would right. uh, that would adjust our weight but we're talking right. about adjusting our mass right which is different <laughs> yes which is like very different uh, for example if you were to pick up uh two dumbbells that are exactly the same side in size and one is made out of iron and it weighs 20 pounds that's a very dense material right and if you pick up another one that's made out of plastic and weighs 20 pounds well that plastic one's going to be bigger because it takes more plastic to weigh the same amount, but plastic is less dense, right? So like the mass of our bodies would be reduced, meaning that our like, it's like our density would reduce without changing the size. Which and is super weird. And then we suddenly weird. become more dense. <laughs> Maybe this whole conversation <laughs> is just dense. This, oh man. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere someone is listening to this shit like, come on, man. <laughs> Move on from the mass. Yeah, we need, um, we need to get a, okay. a physicist on the show to tell us what would happen to our bodies if you reduced our mass. Because I, I'm pretty sure that the blood would just like blow through your veins extremely quickly. And that would be a problem, along with maybe a number of other things in your body that just would not work the same way. We're being real mass holes about this topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so the G, the GPR, the ground penetrating radar that I brought up, um, these are brought to the attention of the crew by the vehicle's microframe computer system. So apparently there's some advanced electronics on this uh, piece of technology as well. And we know from gameplay that the Mako also has shields. So it must have some kind of kinetic shield generator uh, meaning that it is possible to overload the shields. And as we remember from the technology on how shields work in Mass Effect, it, it blocks fast incoming projectiles, right? It deflects right. them. I remember that. But yes. the slow ones, <laughs> right? It, the slow ones, it does not. So I'd wonder if the Mako would have particular issue fighting off local like fauna <laughs> who are trying to like destroy the Mako with their choppers or something because right. those aren't going to be too fast yeah um, or a low-tech species on a planet shooting a bunch like throwing a bunch of rocks with slings trebuchets <laughs> trebuchets <laughs> yeah why not <laughs> really crappy bows and arrows it's just like oh you're scratching up the paint stop it uh, <laughs> or maybe shields. it would be highly effective i i don't know so so it has a number of strengths right i think the strengths are that that it can it's it's small it can be technically smaller i guess depending on the need um but in in terms of how you can fit it in a ship and it's very mobile, very deployable. It can operate in any atmosphere. It gives infantry units a new degree of mobility. Uh, those are a few of the strengths. The 155 millimeter mass accelerator cannon, nothing to frown at as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like having a very fast mobile tank that can operate anywhere with little maintenance. Um, some of the drawbacks though, I, I don't think that it would be comfortable for long deployments. 
No, no, especially in a cramped situation. It seems like having the extra room for extra people is more about mobilizing troops quickly and then letting them get back out and then leaving the driver and the, the two drivers or whoever is managing the vehicle in there with more more room for themselves now that everybody else is back out of the vehicle again. So, right, right. Yeah. So it's definitely not suitable for long deployments, but that is a departure from the predecessor of the Mako, which was a little bit better at that. Um, and we can talk about that after the mid-break. Yeah, we're talking about the other vehicle when we get back from the mid-break. But uh, don't go anywhere. We got to thank our patrons and we will be right back. All right. So everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries. So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever Hulu BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash Mass Effect, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Mass Effect expressvpn.com slash mass effect to learn more message coming in patching it through i am sovereign and this lore cast is mine i like the sound of that all right here we are in the middle of the show thank you to our patrons who support this show and big shout outs to our newest patrons ryan s and architect art thank you for being here and supporting us and shout outs to all 67 of our current patrons, including our Shepherd tier patrons, Kokashins, Edboy, Kirasi, Lieutenant Ticino, and William. Thank you for all of your support. If you are interested in joining us on the Patreon, helping support the show, getting ad-free episodes and t-shirts or stickers, a bunch of other stuff, and maybe even joining us for our patron chats, then head over to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. Speaking of our patron chat, we've got another patron episode coming up very soon because it's getting close to the end of the month on the 29th, Friday the 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So that's uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it's a week away. So you got time to sign up if you'd like to join us as a tier four patron or higher and we'll get together and chat about stuff. So go check that out. Also, if you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll read out your review like this one. This is from Beatrice the Bear in the United States who writes, this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. I'm a huge Mass Effect nerd and I know a lot of the lore. This is a great podcast to dive deeper with great explanations. So thank you, Beatrice. And uh, thanks to everybody who helps support the show. Also, if you want to rate the show on Spotify, give us a five-star rating on there. That's a huge help. You can also comment on individual episodes. You can share it with your friends. All of that stuff helps keep the show going and we really do appreciate it. All right, let's move on with this other vehicle. Here we go. Spit it out or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. Sam, I uh, I know that that first vehicle we talked about was called the Mako, and that this vehicle has another name. 
based off of an animal. And that's true. It's called the grizzly. This is this is Gri- the bear. This is the bear. Grizzly sounds a lot more badass, doesn't it? Grizzly. Or cute. Let's go get in the grizzly. Let's get in the uh, grizzly bear. This little cuddly grizzly bear. <laughs> don't try and cuddle grizzly bears, by the way. I, I don't think it'll end well. Um, yeah. No, th- yeah, this is so this is another infantry fighting vehicle. It's called the M29 Grizzly, whereas the Mako was the M35 Mako. So this is one generation before the Mako. Uh, you could call it the Proto Mako if you want. And it was considered the standard battle taxi of Systems Alliance Marines for almost three decades. So this was like a, a like a long stay in Alliance arsenals, right? And then yeah. just as we begin our Mass Effect journey, this M35 Mako is kind of making the rounds as the new hot thing. Uh, so the, the Grizzly, I, I want to say that, okay, so players, every player who's played Mass Effect 1 and some who have played later games because it can be seen in the background, you've seen the Grizzly. You have seen it. It's in the background mostly. You don't get to drive one, but it's got six wheels as well, but they're kind of on tracks. Yeah, you know what I mean? They're very is, fixed. This is one of the most Star Wars looking things I've seen in Mass Effect because the front has that like triangular frame that looks kind of like an A-wing attached to just this wheeled platform with a turret gun on it. It's a huge turret, too. Yeah, it's it's very Star Warsy. For some reason, this this really triggers the Star Warsy thing, and it's it's the kind of thing that you see like, I don't know, you pass by these. They're like there's like wrecked ones in certain locations, just kind of and parts of the map, but you never really sit and look at it because it's like, oh, that's that's just some of the map geometry to show me that there was like a battle here and stuff got blown up or something. Yes, exactly. And it's bigger. It's bigger than the Mako by a considerable margin. Uh, It's like several meters longer. But when you take off the antenna and the turret, which are pretty much the only two protrusions on the top, they're basically the the same height. Uh, And so with it being bigger than the Mako, you can see why the development of the Mako was so crucial, because the Mako could fit in ships cargo bays like smaller ships like frigates which increased mobilization uh capability for the alliance military like none other uh but the, 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 uh, to also point out the wheels on the mako are below the main body of the vehicle whereas this one the wheels are kind of parallel with the body so i would imagine that the mako actually does a better job getting over rough terrain and and that sort of thing as well I would I would venture to guess as well, you know, Grizzly just looks like heavier and bulkier and more fixed, less agile. Uh, I also don't see too much room for passengers in there. Yeah, I don't know where you fit them unless that body is more like big and voluminous on the inside than it, we would imagine. Also the voluptuous. Voluptuous. Grizzly. Also, the uh, the Mako kind of looks like a shark. This one does not look like a bear at all. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, this this name was definitely created after the art of the Mako was uh, this was definitely a, a later thought uh, uh, lore explanation. Um, so it's it's longer. It's a little taller, I guess, if you factor in the turret and the antenna. Um, the lore says that six people can fit inside. I can't see how. Um, because 
it's you've got that front part like we were talking about which looks like you i guess you could call it the cockpit uh or the front cabin of the grizzly um but then there's like kind of like the second part back toward the turret where i suppose someone would have to sit unless they're operating the turret from the front um and then of course you have the propulsion in the back which uh is powered by power cells uh aboard the vehicle that are providing propulsion uh to the wheels uh but i don't see any any thruster jets to get it out of sticky situations yeah i don't see that either uh, also i have some new headcanon i think i figured it out both of these models can fit more people because they are originally designed for volus there we go that's it they were designed for volus originally mm -hmm. and sadly human beings took command yeah they just took it from those poor volus they're like give us those vehicles we're going to use them now and they're like they just never changed the little you know description on the vehicle when you buy it new and you know, the little window sticker talks about like yeah like mileage and how much the gun can shoot or whatever and then it's like occupancy but they, they never updated that part it's all just volus you know what's kind of funny is this thing is so slim to the ground for how heavy it is that they needed to come up with like interesting ways to repair the vehicle and maintenance on the vehicle so you actually need like a trench in the ground to get oh, yeah. over or to get under it so you need to park over top of like a like a trench or something under the ground like some of the so car shops you go to thing. where they like change your oil like will drive you over a trench and people can go basically down underneath the vehicle without having to lift the vehicle up so yes that, that sort of thing. and we actually see this on novaria in the garage you know when you fight all those geth before you go out into the snowstorm there is a grizzly there um so it is kind of interesting as as a vehicle but i can understand why it was phased out because in terms of technology the mako just seems better we don't i don't know too much about this turret that was on the um that was on the grizzly but it, it looks bigger but I, it kind of looks like the mako turret is more advanced uh we do know that the grizzlies because they were around so long and eventually there was a civilian desire to have a grizzly so they stripped it of the turret they stripped it of the antenna and the military equipment and then they were called vt7s wait wait so this is like the humvee slash hummer of mass effect essentially yeah i guess you could call it that yeah they, they took the turret off they took the antenna off and then they painted it brown with orange highlights so that is the mass effect civilian humvee that's amazing so like uh yeah no offense to anybody who's ever had a humvee but there's definitely a perception of the kind of person who drives a humvee or hummer like in their personal think life right <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that the, the civilians who were driving the, these grizzlies were also viewed as overbearing yeah. assholes? Yeah, yeah, just kind of, you know, big jock types who, like, ab absolutely need to show everybody on the road how big and awesome they are. <laughs> yeah, Maybe, maybe, maybe not, because they were also often found in mining colonies, if I remember right, and they were found on different uncharted worlds where I suppose you would kind of need one if you were there for the long haul yeah, and yeah. you needed 
some That's, big bulky thing to get you around. I think it's a utilitarian purpose mostly. I think that's why a lot of civilian versions were doled out. Um, but there were also corporations uh, that were, you know, using M29 Grizzlies. If I remember right, there's a number of uh, Grizzlies on Pharos that have been, you know, crashed and destroyed, and they're just kind of static objects. Um, and I actually have this art book, The Art of Mass Effect, and they, they mention about the, the Grizzly that this was the original design for the Mako. That so, it was supposed wow. to look like this. Wow. But then the gameplay didn't really lend credence to it, so they changed it around a little bit. And they liked the look of it, so that's why it's kind of a static decoration in the games. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I remember right, in the original Mass Effect 1, there was only one instance where you could kind of use it. You were you were allowed to use the turret to clear the garage on Novaria of Geth. Okay, but yeah. I don't remember I don't remember this being a part of the legendary edition when I've played through more, more recently. So maybe yeah. they maybe they took that out. I'm not sure. Huh. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, from a lore perspective to have like an older version of a similar vehicle that you see in like locations older battlefields things like that uh and as much as i'm making fun of people who drive trucks please don't take offense to that it totally makes sense that you could take a vehicle like this and turn it into something that um you know citizens and and non-military people could use for their own needs so yeah yeah but some cool history you know about the origins of the mako and in fact the grizzly was uh used in the first contact war so that's kind of cool. Uh, I'm guessing that its deployment and use in the first contact war probably helped the Alliance perfect it into the Mako that we would later find. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, that's kind of the development of military vehicles. You use a certain vehicle in a certain situation. You figure out what its benefits are and its drawbacks are, and then you upgrade it and you come up with yeah. a better design. Yeah, so strengths, I mean, it looks durable as hell. Uh, the technology, we don't know too much about the Grizzlies technology as opposed to the Makos, um, but some of the drawbacks, definitely not as agile, can't mobilize troops as quickly. Uh, I didn't see any thrusters, so there's a drawback. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's also uh, a ton of other different civilian vehicles, not just the VT-7 that I mentioned, that were all kind of used and developed using the same basic chassis. So that that narrow looking shark nose that we see on the Grizzly and the Mako, there's a reason why it's on other civilian vehicles uh, in the in the different uh, places in Mass Effect. And it was also diversified within the Alliance military itself. They liked the design so much the art team anyway, uh, <laughs> that, that they made it into several different vehicles, according to another official post on the Bioware, now defunct Bioware forums. Uh, these different military uses and military versions of the same chassis included a recon drone controller, a mobile air defense platform, and the M38 military ambulance, which was nicknamed Moby. Because it's painted white after the musician, peacekeeping. the musician Moby, who is still famous at this point in the future. He's, he's it's actually what he's using to tour. It's his right tour vehicle. He's still alive. Is it like it's a Futurama his, head in a vat kind of thing? It's his tour, uh, tour grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's and it's white. <laughs> right. Right. It's, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
So that's kind of the the lore that we know about the Mako, uh, aside from those individual one-liners that people kind of throw out there and um, make fun of the Mako or defend the Mako uh, in the series. Uh, but that's what we know about the Mako and its origin. You know, it's it's its predecessor, the M twenty M twenty nine Grizzly. Uh, nice. Nice. That's that's it. You know. No, these these episodes are cool because uh, you know w- with some of the episodes we do, we have a lot of content we can go over. We have a lot of different characters and the way they react to different situations and different parts of the story and all of that. But then sometimes we get these little pieces of the game that uh, you you use you you interact with them, and there's still a certain amount of background lore around them. But it le- there's these holes for like speculation and wondering more about it because the universe is so intriguing and interesting that you're like okay what would it actually be like to be in a mako how does the that technology actually work and so it spawns a lot of these kinds of different kinds of conversations which are fun so i I, i've had a lot of fun in this episode yeah so next time someone's playing mass effect one and you're driving around keep an eye out for the m29 grizzly and you can probably see it and think there's a piece of history that n7 legend taught me about i don't know why you'd sound like an old man but you know (laughs) turn into deckard kane all of a sudden stay a while and listen yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for tuning in again. Thanks for being here. Uh, just another reminder, we're doing our patron chat next week. So you still have time to sign up if you'd like to join us. And if you are part of the Patreon, part, well, tier four or higher that are going to join us for the chat, we can start discussing what topics you'd like to talk about. So uh, thanks for being here. Sam, you got anything else you want to share before we head out? Yeah, maybe maybe that topic that they can talk about is which one's better, the Mako, the <laughs> Hammerhead, or the Nomad. Uh, eventually, we will we will talk about the Hammerhead and the Nomad. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be because next week is the patron chat. Maybe maybe the week after that, we'll talk about more vehicles, and then maybe we'll talk about characters who are related somehow. Characters who are vehicles, <laughs> vehicle characters, <laughs> Wait, characters what? who get us from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That sounds good. That's that's the deal. But anyway, I'm uh, I am taking this weekend off of streaming. I'm going to see if I can stream some tomorrow, which if you're listening to this when it publishes on Spotify will probably be too late. But just give me a follow on Twitch. You'll see the notification when I go live. I'm doing my personal canon playthrough. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at in seven the legend. Awesome. And thanks for being here. Live chat. Thank you for being here. Uh, Twitch.tv slash robots radio for this show and the other podcasts that I do and occasional streams when I get some time to just hang out with everybody. So uh, follow us on there as well. And if you're looking for other shows, robotsradio.net has a bunch of stuff, my other shows and a bunch of other hosts doing awesome content. So go check that out and we'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe out there in that crazy universe. And if you're driving around to get Grizzly, I I didn't really mean to make fun of you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Don't tailgate. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.